0: Good morning. Thank you all for being here this morning. I'd like to thank you for the opportunity to speak to you and for the encouragement it is to be among a group of Christians that love God and are trying to do what's right. I hope you're encouraged, too, and that we all leave here today a better citizen of our Lord's kingdom. In case you did not know, I am not the preacher here. Uh, In fact, I'm not a preacher at all. Um, I'm actually an engineer by trade. But I'm not here this morning to talk about that. I'm here this morning to talk about two different aspects of me. Most importantly, I'm a follower of Christ, a Christian. I seek each day to love God, keep his commandments, and love others as myself. But far less importantly, as of August of 2020, I'm also a private pilot. You can see here, I'm sitting in the pilot seat of my dad's plane with my beautiful co-pilot sitting right beside me. And this is a picture of what that plane looks like. It's a 1976 Cessna Skylane, if you know your planes. But since I've received my license, many people have asked me, what does it take to fly a plane? There are many different answers to that question, but another way to frame it might be, how do you take something that is essentially an aluminum golf cart with wings, made back in the 1970s, and after flying through the air at over 150 miles an hour, safely landed on a half-mile strip of pavement over 200 miles away from where you started? Um, and the answer? Preparation. It takes preparation to be successful in anything you do. In both flying and in our lives, we will never rise to the level of our expectations, but we always fall to the level of our preparedness. This is especially important if our lives are at stake, whether it be our physical life or our spiritual life. And that's what I want to discuss this morning. I have used preparation to safely fly my plane and navigate the sky. And I want to use this as an analog to how we should prepare as Christians. I want to discuss with you this morning how we should prepare for the storms of life. So let's go on a flight together. And hopefully by recalling to mind these biblical principles in this unique way, uh, we can both find it useful for building a framework for our preparedness. Or, if you get nothing else, at least when you think back to Wade's parable of the plane, you'll be reminded of the importance of being prepared. So where do we start? Uh, the first step to any flight involves something called pre-flight planning. I want to properly assess my knowledge, check the weather, and inspect the aircraft to make sure I can conduct a safe flight to my destination. I want to make sure I'm prepared with everything I need before ever stepping foot in a plane and make sure I identify any safety hazards before they become real risks to my life. As I was saying, I first want to make sure I'm prepared with this knowledge I need to fly. To do that, I need to reach for something called the Pilot's Operating Handbook. The Pilot's Operating Handbook is essentially a user's manual for the plane, and includes everything I need to know as a pilot about how to operate my aircraft at any stage of the flight, including various emergency situations. It was written by someone, the aircraft manufacturer, that knows my plane much better than I do. We have the exact same thing as Christians, and it's the Bible. The Bible is written by a creator that knows us better than we know ourselves, and the principles, commandments, and guidance found within reminds us of the right path and helps us if things go wrong. Please turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now I'll start in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Success in our planning begins with following God's Word. Just like it says in Proverbs 16, verse 3, commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The next item I make sure I have when preparing for a flight is my checklist. The checklist contains a list of actions, I need to take for each step of flight, and it provides the critical information I need for an emergency in a very quick and concise format. At first glance, it seems very similar to the pilot's operating handbook. I mean, all the information within the checklist is pulled directly from it, uh, but when time is of the essence, a quick list of steps provides me the key information I need in the moment. When I was preparing this lesson, uh, I was actually going to combine, to, combine the two, you know, the, the handbook and the checklist, and compare them both to the Bible. But I think the checklist represents a different concept to us as Christians. How often are we caught facing temptation or the trials of life and had the time to separate ourselves from the situation to search the Bible to determine what is right in the moment? Both in flying and in life, there are plenty of times where you do have the time to read while facing a problem. I mean, we have the Bibles on our phones now. Uh, It's easily accessible. But there are equally as many times where time is of the essence to recall what is right and wrong and then act accordingly. Whether that be during temptation, during our conversations with others, or just going about our day, we need to not only know where to look for wisdom, but we must also have that wisdom committed to memory. We have to train our conscience to recognize right and wrong and respond in real time. I think there are two passages from the New Testament that illustrate this. Uh, 1 Peter 3 and verse 15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. I also think our Lord illustrates this concept perfectly during his temptation in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4. Uh, Due to time, I won't read through that account this morning, but you'll remember that Jesus was tempted three times by Satan, and he responded immediately from God's word. He had no need to travel back to the synagogue unravel a scroll, and search for the answers to the devil's snares. He had already prepared himself long ago. He confronted each temptation with the words and principles of God by a trained mind and memory. I've spent a lot of our time this morning on these two concepts because it's very important for us as Christians to understand. If we don't refer to the word of God as our guide, and we fail to commit these principles to our hearts and minds, we will be woefully unprepared for what's out there. So, we have all the knowledge we need, all the knowledge we need to fly the plane safely. We have it quickly accessible in our minds. What else do we need to do? Next, we need to check the weather. Now, a day like today is probably a great day to fly. The sun is shining, clouds are high in the sky, it's it's a little hot out there, um, but shouldn't be too turbulent. But what if it's not that great? What if the clouds are so low that it's barely above the legal limit? What if it's foggy or raining? You might not see that well. What if it's so windy to the point that you never flown in conditions such as these before? What if all of the above was present and you simply failed to check it all? All these weather conditions could be perfectly legal to fly in, but if we aren't highly skilled, proficient, or have the proper equipment, they can be very dangerous for an unaware and inexperienced pilot. Or maybe you're about to take off into a tornado, but you simply failed to check the signs. This concept reminds me of a common pilot saying, it's always better to be on the ground wishing you were in the air than in the air wishing you were on the ground. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 15 reads, The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. And Proverbs chapter 4, and 14 through 15 reads, Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. I think Reagan did a good job presenting the idea of putting ourselves in the best position be blessed by God, and how we should pray to be given opportunities to be used in his kingdom. I think conversely, we also need to avoid putting ourselves in situations that make it easy to be tempted by the devil. The last thing I do as a pilot before a flight is to inspect the plane itself and determine if it's safe to fly, or in other words, check to see if it's airworthy. I want to double check and make sure everything is undamaged and that all my equipment is in good working order. I could teach a whole other lesson about this concept, but I will leave you with one of the verses I was most reminded of. And I think it completely sums this concept up. Please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And I'll start in verse 13. Therefore... And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. In short, we need to make sure our armor and equipment are in good working order. Okay. I know what you're thinking. I told you I was going to walk you through a flight, starting to look at the time, and we haven't even taken off yet. Uh, I promise that from here, that because we prepared, the next steps are relatively easy. Also, I think this shows the importance of this kind of preparation. It shows how superior planning always beats superior skill in the moment. But here we are. We have all the knowledge we need, and it's easily accessible. We check the weather. We did all the proper inspections. We feel ready to face what's out there. So, what do I keep in mind when I'm about to take off? And what should we as Christians be thinking of as we start a new chapter of life, a new job, or even just a new day? There are many things I could talk about here, but one aspect I want to touch on is the concept of an abort plan. As pilots, we plan on having a smooth and uneventful takeoff. But how do we prepare if things go south? Due to how quickly things can happen during takeoff, we don't have time to think through every possible course of action in the moment. So we think back to our handbook and our checklist, and we prepare an abort plan that can be executed immediately and that will keep us from freezing or making a misjudgment in the moment. So what would an abort plan look like for a Christian? I would say it represents us making our mind about our response to temptation long before we're ever faced with the temptation. An excellent example of this can be found in Daniel chapter 1. If you'll remember from our weekly Bible readings, Daniel was forcibly taken from his land and was facing a very uncertain future that would bring many new challenges to his faith. One such challenge was the temptation to defile himself with the king's food. In Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, it reads, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Job, in Job chapter 31 and verse 1, makes a similar commitment. It says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? Both of these men knew what was right and wrong, and they knew that they might be faced with an opportunity to spend. But before they could even get the chance, their mind was already made up. So, we're prepared for takeoff, and things go according to plan. We safely lift off the runway, we continue our climb up, and now we level the wings at our cruise altitude. great. Now what? Um, Well, what's the purpose of flying? It's to go somewhere. If we fly aimlessly, we will never reach our destination. We are reminded of our duty as God's creation by Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12, and verse 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Paul echoes the same sentiment in Colossians, in chapter 3, and verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. But I think Paul expresses this idea most clearly in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, if you'd turn there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now start in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we, and imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Just like a pilot navigating to our destination, everything we need to do needs to bring us closer to our home in heaven. So after all this preparation, We've successfully reached our cruising altitude. We're on course. There's not a storm or even a cloud in sight. The air is smooth, and all our engine instruments are reading normally. Is it time to relax? Maybe. But we should always be aware of what's happening and be thinking about what's ahead. We need to avoid becoming complacent. Another common phrase used in aviation is complacency kills. And I think it can hold true to us as Christians if we're not careful. We receive multiple warnings in the New Testament about the dangers of becoming complacent. Paul repeats this warning against complacency at least twice, both to the Corinthians and the Ephesians. He reminds the Corinthians that there's a history spanning a millennium that shows that even people considered to be God's chosen people were laid low by turning towards evil ways. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 11, Paul writes, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he falls. Similarly, in Ephesians 5, in verse 15 through 17, Paul writes, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And Peter, in his letter, compares the devil to a roaring lion, In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, which reads, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The devil is cunning. And someday we may wake up surrounded by a storm if we become complacent in the sun. Now I want to try and paint a picture for you. Here we are in the pilot's seat of a plane, flying above what looks like New York City. You're having a great time. You're getting to see the city from the air. As you fly along, something on the ground catches your eye, and you look out the window at the landscape below for a little too long. You look up. And this is what you see. You've flown into a cloud. You can't see anything. You can't see if you're turning or flying straight, or if you're climbing or descending quickly towards the ground. Or consider that you were flying along. You start to see smoke from your engine. You hear a loud bang, and then your engine quits entirely. The loud roar of an engine has been replaced by an eerie silence, broken only by the wind rushing over the wings. Now, like the plane in the picture, you have to quickly figure out where to land the plane without an airport in sight. Or maybe you're flying along and you slowly watch the weather close in around you. And now you're surrounded by storms and can't find your way through. I would say you're having an in-flight emergency. For us as Christians, just like pilots, in-flight emergencies come in many forms. But it's essentially any situation that threatens our spiritual life, a situation where temptation strikes. Now before we discuss what our course of action could be, I'm sure you're wondering, if we've done all this preparation, how did we even end up in this emergency situation anyway? I think there's at least three ways I can quickly go through how this can occur. Number one, time and chance. For a pilot, that might be something like a bird strike on takeoff, where a bird happens to fly in in your path and you collide with it. Maybe it was just an unlucky event that poses a challenge to us as pilots. As Christians... We also encounter situations where no one is at fault, but we are still presented with a challenge to our faith. Maybe we are faced with an unexpected death of a loved one. Maybe a natural disaster has robbed us of our earthly possessions. Maybe, like the bird, we are simply at the wrong place at the wrong time. Solomon, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, discusses this concept, starting in verse 11. Number two, the actions of others. For a pilot, this might be something like a mechanic forgetting to tighten the bolts on your engine, or another pilot pulling out onto the runway while you're trying to land. As Christians, it can be the consequences of another person's sin that, tempt, that tempts us. Maybe someone has committed sin against you personally, or against someone that is close to you. Maybe you're being persecuted or made fun of. Because of your faith. Paul in Second Timothy chapter three not only discusses the possibility, but he gives us a promise that we will have to face temptation from this source. Verse twelve it reads, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And number three. It can be due to our own actions or inactions. For a pilot, that means making unwise decisions that go directly against the sound preparation we've done. Or it means neglecting to prepare or take action altogether. Here is a copy of that checklist I've been discussing. The blue sections represent the normal procedures, while the red represent the emergency procedures. And here, I'm gonna show you a quick view of all the steps. It's not important that you read these, but there's a lot of them, but they're all simple and easy to follow. If I'm not careful, I could forget to follow one of them if I'm not paying attention. Here's the point of showing you this. What if, during each flight, I decided to randomly neglect one of these steps? I'll probably be fine the first time. Um, It might be a step like checking for a flat tire and the tire being full of air anyway. Or maybe it's something that doesn't apply to me in the moment. Uh, there's a step in thumb checklist that tell me to make sure the air conditioning is turned off and our plane doesn't even have air conditioning. Um, but what if that one step becomes five steps? Planes are pretty lo- reliable and I'm usually not flying through challenging weather, so maybe I'll be okay. Um, what about ten steps? Fifteen? Or Twenty? What if I then took those 20 steps and did the very opposite of what it tells me to do? How about this, would any of you feel comfortable flying with me, knowing that I just skipped one of these? No? I would say that's because you know that I'm supposed to follow these steps for a reason, and that they're all written for our best interests and safety. We must realize the importance of avoiding complacency and that safety slips in small stages. It is rare that a Christian's conscience will allow them to commit some of the more public and universally revolting sins such as murder, stealing, or adultery completely out of the blue. Maybe it starts out with more secret sins, but these slowly progress to more sin if we do not stop it early. It can happen if we become lax about godly principles in our hearts. As Christians, facing temptations has much higher stakes than facing an in-flight emergency as a pilot. As a pilot, I may be facing physical death, but sin threatens to bring spiritual death. But there is some good news when it comes to facing temptation. As a pilot, I'm not promised a safe way out of every emergency. But as Christians, we are. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. While there are higher stakes, we have even greater promises as Christians that we can overcome the storm. Now that we've talked about the why, let's talk about what we need to do. As a pilot, we follow a priority list of the following actions. We aviate, navigate, and communicate in that order. First, aviate means to fly the plane, If I'm spiraling spiraling towards the ground, it means to stop the spin and pull out of the dive. It means to not freeze or panic, but to remove myself from the immediate danger. What does this mean to us as Christians? I think in some instances it means to actually physically remove ourselves from the tempting situation. You'll remember from Genesis chapter 39 that Joseph, while serving as a slave in Potiphar's house was tempted by Potiphar's wife. In verses 11 through 12 it says, But one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Maybe it means we should be like Joseph and immediately remove ourselves from the temptation. Aviate could also have another meaning To us as Christians. If we feel like we are spiraling out of control, we should reach out to the one who is in control. We don't need to freeze or panic. We need to pray. We have many examples of this from the Bible, but I want to briefly touch on one of them. You'll remember from from our Bible reading that Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 2, was serving as the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. He was risking his life by approaching the king to ask for help to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And notice the first thing Nehemiah does in verse 4 before stating his request to the king. Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. How better off would it be if that was our response to every physical and spiritual challenge we face? So after we aviate and we have control of the plane, we need to navigate. During an emergency, I may be very disoriented, or maybe I simply need to know the best way forward. As Christians, we need to trust in God and God's Word to direct our steps. Psalm 119 and verse 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23 says, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. We find ourselves surrounded by darkness. We need to use the lamp of God's word to find the way forward. Thirdly, we need to communicate. As a pilot, that means reaching out to either my co-pilot or air traffic control for assistance in an emergency Just like pilots, we as Christians need the help of other Christians to help us on our walk. A whole new lesson can be made on the importance of the kind of people we choose as co-pilots and all the promises that God makes to us about the benefits of reaching out to each other for support. But I will leave you with two verses that I think sum this concept up. Please turn with me once again to the book of Ecclesiastes. I'll be reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. There have been many times, whether it was Lauren or my dad, or having a co-pilot with me has made my job as a pilot much easier and safer. It's also important that we don't hide our mistakes. As a pilot, air traffic control is there to help with navigation and with avoiding any trouble that's ahead if we have strayed from our path sometimes not telling someone can lead to much more damaging consequences please turn with me to James chapter 5 James chapter 5 now begin in verse 13 is anyone among you suffering prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Skipping down to verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's be on the lookout for one another. And let's not be afraid to reach out when we need help. So there it is. That's my lesson. I think if we follow the principles set out in God's word and prepare our hearts and minds with wisdom found therein, we can avoid a lot of temptations entirely. But when we do face temptations, whether it be our fault or not, we can have faith, that it takes to endure. But maybe, for you, this story did not have such a happy ending. Maybe you're here this morning, and you realize you've crashed your plane, that you've fallen prey to sin and temptation. You're looking around, and you find yourself standing, in the middle of the fiery wreckage of your spiritual condition, facing what would be an eternal spiritual death because of that sin. But it doesn't have to be this way. I have some good news for you. God promises us not only an escape from the temptations that we're facing, but also an escape from sin itself. Jesus, through his sacrifice, provides us with a second chance. As Christians, we are provided the forgiveness of sins so that one mistake does not have to seal our fate. Jesus in Mark sixteen sixteen says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. If you would respond to that good news this morning, please come forward as we stand and as we sing. All things are ready.